you know, most of us, we reach a point in our lives or a time in our life where we just realize, okay, I'm going to have to make an adjustment here. I'm going to have to change a few things. Life just is probably going to have to look, look a little bit different. I know for me, growing up, uh, especially high school, college years, if I wasn't in school or at work, you could pretty much find me on a basketball court shooting hoops with my friends or playing tennis or swimming. I mean, that was, that was just it. And so after the guys, after we get together and, and do these different athletics and stuff like that, then most days we'd head over to Hungry Howie's, grab pizza, or we'd go over to Steak and Shake, get a nice uh, greasy cheeseburger and a milkshake and wash it down with a Coke and things like that. That was just normal, right? And during those days, I felt like I, you know, I exercised so much. I was young. I could eat whatever I wanted as much as I wanted. And it really didn't seem to make that much of a difference. And then as my 20s gave way to my 30s, well, my exercise level went down. My waistline went up. I realized I, my metabolism is not as good. It just, things need to change. I started developing some allergies and went to see an allergist, a doctor, and she, you know, did some tests and told me what I was allergic to and things like that. And then she started asking me questions about my diet. And as it turns out, if brown is your primary food color, that's not healthy. And so she said, hey, if you make a few changes with your diet, that could help too. And so, you know, since then, I'll go through times, seasons when I'm eating well and I'm exercising and I'm feeling energetic and feeling great. And then, you know, there will be other seasons where I just eat whatever I want and I might feel a little more sluggish, a little more lethargic. Like, I know, right? I know, like, what to fuel my body with, and it makes an impact. And we all kind of know that, right? Like, hey, if I fuel my body in a healthy way, I'll probably feel a little better. Um, we, we know this. We know that what we put in our body matters. Yes, genetics play a part, but what we put in our body matters. And, um, for instance, if you just drink a ton of alcohol, you know, it's probably going to affect your liver, Right? If you just smoke all the time, it's probably going to affect your lungs. I mean, we, we know this. Now, as we continue our study in 1 Peter, Peter's writing to a church living in a really unhealthy culture, okay? And they're facing all kinds of attacks, and, and it's a difficult time for, the, for this fledgling church. And so Peter's writing, and he's saying, hey, listen, there's some practices There's some habits that if this is what you're consuming and this is what you're feeding on, it's going to lead to a really unhealthy life. And so what he's going to write about is, hey, here's how you live healthy in an unhealthy world. And for us, living in an unhealthy world, his words are just as applicable today as they were about 2,000 years ago. So let's check it out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Peter writes... So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter begins chapter 2 with the word so, or your translation might say therefore. And, you know, whenever that's there, we know, right, okay, he's building on something. And so Peter's saying, in light of what I've just said, here's what you need to know. And in light of what he's just said is, hey, now you're a part of a new family. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed. So you're a part of a new family. So in light of that, okay, and then additionally to being in a new family, you're also under a new authority. You're under now the authority of the word of God, which endures forever. Okay, you're no longer under the authority of the feudal ways of your forefathers, 
You're no longer under the authority of the mindlessness of mob mentality. You're no longer under the authority of fruitless, self, selfish living. You're under the authority of the Word of God. So in light of being a part of a new family and under a new authority, here's what you need to know. Here's how you therefore should live. And do you catch his language? He's, he's mentioning growing up, health, milk. What he's talking about is nutrition. Here's how you live a healthy life, a nutritious life. And it's for the whole life. Physical life, yes, sure. But also spiritual life, emotional life, mental life. It encompasses everything because God cares about every aspect of who we are. And so he's saying, hey, there are certain practices that if you consume these things, you're going to be sick. You're going to be unhealthy. It's not going to be fruitful for you. And so he gives you this menu of unhealthy practices. And the first thing he says that's going to make you sick is malice. He's like, if you're consuming malice, you can count on being an unhealthy person. And so what is malice? Malice is basically saying, hey, I really don't like you, and I don't want anything good for you. So I'm going to use my words, I'm going to use my actions to try to damage you, to destruct you, to tear you down instead of build you up. So you know you have malice in your heart. If you ever hear like something good happening to somebody, and you're thinking, oh man, that's just so frustrating. I, I can't believe that they got the promotion. You know, I can't, I can't believe that they got married. I mean, can you believe somebody would marry them? Like, oh, it just makes me sick. Now, if that's the way you think when you hear good news about somebody else, that's malice in your heart. By the same token, if something bad happens to them and then you're like, couldn't happen to a greater guy. Yeah, that's great. Just desserts right there. They're getting what they deserve. I mean, that's malice. Okay. It's, it's wanting bad and using, it's wanting bad for other people and also using your words and actions so that, uh, they experience damage. Okay. And so one of the things that we look at, Hey, are you building up or are you tearing down? Are you giving joy or are you stealing people's joy? Are you propping up or are you trying to one up? And here's the deal. You look around our culture our culture has a real malice problem, right? I mean, you look everywhere and malice. You see malice at the heart of our culture. Our, lo- our culture loves to put malice on the menu. And if you're consuming it, Peter says, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to have an unhealthy life. Okay? You're going to be sick. Now, the next unhealthy item on the menu is deceit. Okay? Deceit's not being honest. It's skewing the facts to suit you. It's uh, being manipulative. The word was actually used in the ancient world. It was describing the process of how you would bait a hook to catch fish, right? Making something appear one way so that really you can do something else with it so that you can trap someone. That's deceit. And so, and you see this in our culture all the time, right? It's portraying people either in the best possible light or in the worst possible light. Showing people in all their best, greatest moments or showing people in their worst, most humiliating moments all the time. Why? Because you're trying to suit your own agenda. And it's deceitful. And so, he's, and the world loves to put deceit on the menu, right? I mean, you can look anywhere. You look, go to social media, go to the news, all the time. And, and deceit, deceit, it's full of it. And if you're consuming it, Peter's saying, hey, you're going to live unhealthy, if this is how you think, if this is what you're trying to communicate, if this is what you're doing, you will be unhealthy. Number three, Peter says, hey, if you want to be really sick, make hypocrisy a part of your diet. 
Now, the New Testament talks an awful lot about hypocrisy because it was a huge issue in the day, and it continues to be a huge issue in our day. Uh, the New Testament talked about hypocrisy 27 different times to try to steer clear of hypocrisy. Um, the, in the ancient world, the term hypocrisy was taken from the acting culture of the day. Okay, so uh, they'd have these different plays, and there wouldn't be all that many actors and actresses. And so what would happen is they would, they would wear a mask, and then they would do their part, and then they'd run backstage, and they'd grab another mask. And they'd run backstage, and they'd grab another mask. And so you'd never know who was actually playing what part because they kept changing masks. And the idea in this case is Peter saying, hey, there's people out there. You don't really know who they are because around one group of people, they'll put on this mask. And then around another group of people, they'll put on this mask. And around another group of people, they'll put on this mask. And so you really don't know who they are. Right? You come together and you gather as a church family and, you know, you sing and you say hallelujah and all this. There's this mask. And then you go to your workplace and you complain and you curse and all these different things. You put on that mask and you go to your family and, you know, maybe you just veg out, whatever, and you put on another mask. It's just, who is this person really? And if you're making hypocrisy a part of your diet, if you're always just trying to convince people that you're something else, then it's really not healthy, you're going to be unhealthy. One of the disciples um, was a hypocrite, okay? Judas, for three years, he pretended to be a follower of Christ. He pretended to love Jesus and be unified and be trustworthy and all these different things. And, you know, when, G- when he was with Jesus, pretending like he loved him, and then when he's getting away from him, what's he doing? He's scheming on how he's going to get him. Uh, he's plotting against him. In fact, even today, sometimes the practice of going to church can promote hypocrisy. Because when the church is simply a place you go, then what happens? Well, then I want to put on a mask and I want to look like I've got everything together. That I'm good. My life is good. I, I live a holy life and all these different things. And I, I, want to, I want to put that mask on. But it's only when you realize that, hey, I don't simply go to church. I am the church. It's who I am. It's identity. Well, then all of a sudden that changes things because now I don't have to put on a mask and, and look like I have it all together. In fact, it's just the opposite because if I look like I have it all together, that actually denies the gospel because only Jesus Christ has it all together. So we come together and we gather and we're able to share. Here, here's our struggles. Here's where I need to be encouraged. Here's, here's what's hard. Here's, here's my hurts. You know, here's, here's my vulnerability. And in a healthy family, you're able to do that. Sometimes in the church, you get the mask of hypocrisy that says, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. Life is great. Everything's all good. And so you say, that's, that's a hypocrite. Now, uh, sometimes the church is labeled as hypocrites. You know, you hear this complaint from the, oh, the church is just a bunch of hypocrites. Listen, we all do things that are hypocritical, okay? Our calling as believers is to measure up to the glory of God, okay? To be holy as he is holy, None of us reach that on this side of eternity. We all do things that are hypocritical. Listen, Peter can relate to that, okay? Peter, he denied Jesus three times. One day, Jesus had to tell him, get behind me, Satan. Listen, it's a bad day when Jesus calls you the devil, okay? That's a rough day. Uh, But this is what Jesus does to Peter. But listen, Peter's not a hypocrite. He did things that were hypocritical, 
but he wasn't just trying to put it on a mask all the time and like make people think he's one thing when he's really something else. You see his struggles, you see his vulnerabilities. And that's what, that's the way it should be with us. We're able to repent and say, yeah, yeah, I blew it. You know, I was wrong. And, um, it's, it's the whole idea of actually getting deep into people's lives. And as the church, that's what we're called to do. It's not this surface level stuff. It's, that's empty. Right? It's actually going deep and saying, hey, here, here's where I'm earning. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's, here's where I'm winning. Here's my successes. And if it's just about trying to look apart, that's being a hypocrite. That was Judas, not Peter. Did he do things hypocritical? Yes, we all do. Was he fundamentally a hypocrite? No, that wasn't his identity. Now, another thing that will make you really, really sick is envy, okay? This is jealousy, coveting, looking at somebody else and what they've got and craving their fame, their position, their relationships, uh, whatever they have, their wealth, whatever it is, and you're looking at someone else and what they've got, you think, man, I really want that, and you're just dwelling on that thought. I wish I had what they had. Oh, they seem to have everything. And listen, one of the things that really promotes envy is social media, right? I don't know anybody. I've never really had a conversation with someone who says, uh, you know, I spent all day on social media and reading all these posts and everything. And man, I just felt so refreshed afterwards, you know? It's it like the, such a good time. I mean, I'm really, really feeling energized after all this. You know, one of the things, you know, the things that gets the most traction on social media is images, right? Images. And listen, images are a shortcut to envy. Because most often, the most common images that you see are, hey, here's a, here's a family vacation. Oh man, they're eating steak. Their kids on the honor roll. Even their dog is like smiling for the picture. You know, <laughs> everything seems to look perfect, and you look at that, oh, and then what do you want? I want that. I wish I had that. It's it's a shortcut to envy, and when this is what you're consuming. It's going to make you sick. The world loves to put envy out there. And it's one of the great marketing strategies. You need this. You want this. Come on, you got to have this. And it makes you sick. Another item on the unhealthy menu, Peter says, is slander. Slander says, I want to make myself look better by making you look worse. So I'm going to tear you down in order to build myself up. Listen, Satan is the, is this, is a slanderer, okay? He's an accuser of, of the believers. And he's, he's constantly feeding lies, spreading gossip, denying the truth of the gospel, lying about who God is and who we are to build himself up. Really, he's taken a right side up world. He's flipped it upside down. He's saying, look at this upside down world. Isn't it great? This is how you should think. This is what you should value. This is how you should live. Totally distorting, slandering who God is so that we would embrace his value system. It's just, you know, you see that all throughout the culture. And if you consume it, and if you think that way, you'll become a very sick person. So Peter's writing to a church in a very unhealthy culture. And he's saying, listen, if malice, if deceit, if hypocrisy, if envy, if slander, or if these are part of what you're consuming, you're going to be sick. You're going to be an unhealthy person. Uh, don't consume these unhealthy practices. And what he actually says is get rid of it. All of it, right? Have no room for any of it. It's not like, well, you know, a little bit here and there. You know, if I'm just a little envious, you know, it's probably not that big of a deal. 
You know, if I'm, you know, just tear those people down because they're really kind of bad people, it's no big deal. No, no, no. It's a big deal. It makes you unhealthy. It makes you sick. Unhealthy practices make you spiritually sick. Okay? Unhealthy practices, they make you spiritually sick. But not just spiritually sick. They make you mentally sick. They make you emotionally sick. They make you physically sick. And so if you live... Yeah, if you live each day and you have like a, you get up in the morning and just you have a steady diet of social media all day long, or you turn on your uh, news channel of choice and you just watch that all day long, or you binge watch you know TV shows all day long, that's kind of like getting up every morning, eating donuts for breakfast, greasy cheeseburgers for lunch, pizza for dinner, and thinking, I think I'm going to be healthy. Like I, I think this is going to work for me. No, no, no. you're going to be sick, right? And there's a lot of people in our culture who are consuming all this, and it's making them sick. And so the question then comes, okay, Peter, is there an alternative to that kind of diet? Like, what then should we be consuming? Is there some healthy nutrition out there? And Peter says, yeah, it's the Word of God. That's, that's health. That's nutritious. And so, you know, sometimes as guys, we... Um, it almost seems like we need to learn a little bit more when, uh, when there's like a newborn baby, you know, and how, to, okay, what do they need to feed and how, how do we do this? How do we make it all work? And so, not that we're this clueless, but you know, if, if you have a newborn, you don't just say, oh man, I can tell this baby's hungry. Let me just drive by McDonald's and grab a Big Mac. Okay. <laughs> like nobody thinks that way, right? You know, I mean, if I were to say that to Steph and stuff, oh, the baby has no teeth. You can't, can't eat a Big Mac. I mean, what are you going to do? And if I were to say, well, maybe I'll just take it home and like blend it up in a blender and pour it in a sippy cup. And then, you know, would that be all right? No. It's not just that they don't have teeth. It's their body can't process it, right? It's not, it's not ready for this. It's not going to process it well. That's not what they need. Uh, what do they need? They need milk. And that's what newborns crave. And so Peter, he's using this analogy. It's like a newborn baby craves milk. This is what they need. This is how they're going to be healthy. This is what they want. And by the way, have you ever heard a newborn crave milk? Right? They crave it loudly, right? They crave it obnoxiously, piercingly, unrelentingly. They, they, they crave it in a, if you don't give it, give it to me, you're not sleeping kind of a way, okay? That's how they crave milk. And he's saying, this is how you should crave God's word. You should want it this bad. You should be this desperate to have it. Like a newborn baby craves milk. So this is how the child of God should crave the word of God. Peter says there's five practices that will make you really sick. You know what? For a newborn baby, there's all kinds of food out there that will make them really sick. But there is one type of food for the baby that will cause them to grow up and be strong and healthy, milk. For the Christian, there's one type of food that will cause you to grow up, be strong and healthy. It's the word of God. And so this is what Peter's saying. This is what you need. And just like a baby craves the milk, so you, believer, crave the word of God. The God who made you designed a diet for you, a diet designed to make you healthy and to thrive and to flourish. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to grow strong. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to be vital. 
He doesn't want you to be silk and unhealthy and depressed and miserable and complaining and hopeless and stressed and worried and bitter and anxious and all these different things. And so he gives you a diet to be healthy. And he uses this language, right? Hey, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but now now you have imperishable seed. And so how are you going to feed this seed to make it grow? Perishable seed needs milk. Imperishable seed, you need the word of God. Right? Human flesh, like grass, it fades, it withers, it goes away. But the word of the Lord, it endures forever. And so what do you feed yourself? You're under this authority. You need to be in the word of God. And then you'll taste and see that it's good. It's good. It's appetizing. It's pleasing. Like when you really get into it, you're like, wow, I actually enjoy this. Maybe not at first. Maybe it's like eating your vegetables at first. But after you begin to study and you see the effects that it has and, and, and how it affects your life. Wow, this is good. You know, when I was moving from Florida to Washington State about 15, 16 years ago, um, I drove it with a friend. So a friend of mine, we had a moving truck pulling behind a vehicle, and we drove from Florida to Washington. That's a long drive, you know, it's a big drive. And uh, one night we stopped. It was about 2 or 3 in the morning. Neither one of us felt like we could drive anymore. We pulled into a hotel. Okay, we gotta, we got to get some rest here. And when we walk in, the guy working the graveyard shift, he was drinking one Red Bull, and he had three empty cans of Red Bull on the desk. And as we walked away, me and my buddy, we looked at each other. It was like at the same time, like, man, that guy did not look healthy. You know, that, that did not look good. I don't think that's sustainable, you know. And what we were saying is the guy needs a new diet, right? He's, he's going to need some new practices because this is not promoting health. There's people in the church, and Peter's writing, and he's trying to correct their diet. And there's people in the church today who need to correct their diet of what they're consuming because they're sick, right? And so we see it, and so we see people in the church who, they hold on to bitterness because they're not in the Word, and the Word is not teaching them. They, They don't forgive because they're not in the Word, and the Word is not changing them. They, they, they're anxious because they're not in the Word. They're, they're, religiosity is a burden to them because they don't know the yoke of Jesus, how he just takes it away. And so it makes them sick. Bad teaching, the world's teaching, will make you sick. It will make you unhealthy. And so you need God's Word as much as you need physical food. I mean, Jesus put it this way. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what he's saying is, hey, yes, you need nutrition for the body, but you also need nutrition for the soul, for your mind, for your emotions. All of that needs good, healthy nutrition as well. And so the question then becomes, what do you crave? I mean, what, what does your palate really long for? And if you're saying, you know, you know what I really crave? I just like the news. You know, I love seeing all the world events, everything that's happening. I love the news. If you watch the news all day, every day, you're going to be sick. If you say, you know what I really long for? Social media. I, I just can't get enough of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all this different stuff. If that's what you really crave and you're in it all day, every day, you're going to be sick. You say, well, there's these different shows. You know, I, I got my shows on Netflix that I binge. I got these other shows. I just love them. I can watch them all day long. If you're watching shows all day long, you're going to be sick. Right? I'm not saying any of it's necessarily sin, but it's kind of like junk food. You know? That if that's all you're consuming all the time, you're going to be unhealthy, you're going to be sick because it's not nutritious. Now, if you've been eating poorly for years, 
And all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to change things. And you go home and you have a bowl of carrots. And then you say, you know what? I don't really feel that different. I, you know, I don't really think that did anything. I haven't lost any weight. I don't feel any better. It's like, what good did that do? What? You want to tell it? Well, no, no. You've been eating unhealthy for all these years. You had one bowl of carrots, right? It's going to take some time. Listen, if you've been consuming a whole bunch of unhealthy stuff for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years, however long, and then all of a sudden you say, you know, I'm going to read the Bible today. And you read it and you say, I, I don't feel any different. I don't, I don't think that really changed anything. I mean, I didn't have any aha moment from God. I don't, you know, I don't know what that did. Well, yeah, you've been consuming all this garbage for all these years. No, no, one exposure to God's word is not going to do it. How are, how are you supposed to sit under God's word? Peter says, crave it like a newborn infant. You've got, you got to feast on it, right? It's not just one time. But then if you learn to study his word and then you go back and you have a consistent diet of it, all of a sudden, you can look back years later. The process was so slow, you didn't necessarily see it at the time, but years later, you can step back and you can look and you can say, you know what? I didn't realize it then, but my desires were sick. My relationships, they were sick. My hopes, they were, they were sick. How I viewed life was sick. It was unhealthy. But God's word has changed how I see things. He's changed how I live. He's changed my cravings. He's changed my emotion. Man, now I'm healthy. Right? You see it, not necessarily in the moment, but it's a steady diet of something that's healthy. And then all of a sudden, you feel the effects. You know, it's interesting. Once you start eating healthy, if you eat healthy for a while, your body actually rejects the unhealthy stuff. You know this? If you've had a steady diet, eating healthy, and then all of a sudden, for a long time, then all of a sudden you go to McDonald's and you have a Big Mac, your body's not going to like that too much. Your body's going to tell you about it, right? So, whoa. When you're unhealthy, your body will actually receive the stuff that makes you sick. But once you become healthy, it rejects it. Do you know the Word of God does that too? The, the Word of God sets a pattern of health in your life. That when you're in it and you're feasting upon it, all these other behaviors and practices that you used to engage in, the way you used to think and the way you used to live, now the Word of God, it, it's, it rejects it. It says, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want to think like that anymore. I, I, I don't want to consume this stuff anymore. It's not appetizing. And so your body begins to reject it. The word of God sets a pattern of health in your life if you will feast upon God's word. You feast upon God's word to become healthy. Now this is interesting. The Center of Bible Engagement, they followed over 400,000 people and they did a study on the effects of, of being in or listening to the Bible, okay? How many, how many days a week people either read or listened to the Bible? And what they found was, if you read or listened to the Bible zero to three days a week, all right, it can be absolutely none up to three days a week. There was actually little difference in how you lived. Most people who listen zero to three, they live about the same way. But if you're in the Word four days or more, all of a sudden, they began to see incredible changes, incredible differences in the way people live. For instance, this is what they found. If you're in the Word four days or more per week, 
That these people got drunk 57% less. They had sex outside of marriage 68% less. They exposed themselves to pornography 61% less. They gambled 74% less. And then on the positive side, they shared their faith 228% more. They intentionally discipled people 231% more. And they were over 400% more likely to memorize scripture. I read other studies this week that talked about how there's more joy, less depression, more peace, less anxiety, more fulfillment, less dissatisfaction. But what was really interesting to me about this study was it said four days, four days a week, that you actually have to feast on God's word. It's not, it's not just, you know, well, in fact, I've heard people say to me before, see, this, this person, they're, they're here every week, but they seem like really grumpy, like really grouchy, like is everything okay? Listen, if this is their only exposure to God's word during the week, I'm thankful they're here. But it's not likely to make a huge impact, right? It makes some, absolutely, from believer. You know, we're to gather together, absolutely. But it's one thing. When you're in the word, then you crave it. You're like, oh man, I've got to be there. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to worship with the family of God. I've got to be a part of it. But if you're not, then it just becomes empty religiosity. Well, this is what I do. This is church is where you go. And what does that produce? Not a lot. And so it's, it's a steady diet. You've got to feast upon God's word. By the way, this is one of the reasons why here at Central, uh, we just study the Bible primarily verse by verse, book by book, because we want to understand what the word says, right? We're not into making like uh, the people on the stage like heroes, right? No, no, the hero is Jesus, Okay, he's the hero of the story. We want to point people to him. He's the one who has the authoritative word. It's not me. His word is infallible, not mine. So it's only my fidelity to the scripture and my teaching and proclaiming the scripture accurately that is profitable. And so we want to make sure that we get it in context. Okay, what does the Bible say in context? By the way, last week someone said to me, hey, Steve, I'm just I've really been excited with the first Peter study because we're just taking like a few verses at a time so we can really kind of dig deep. I like that. Well, listen, when you begin to study God's word and you have an appetite for it and you crave it, one of the things you understand is different genres of scripture, you study them in a little bit different way, right? And so we go through Esther, like we did earlier. We went through Mark, like we did last year. Well, well then it's narrative. It's telling a story. And if you just take like a couple of verses at a time and you splice the story to bits and you miss like the events that are happening and the different scenes as they develop, well, you don't understand the story, right? You've kind of mutilated it. And so to understand a story, what do you need to know? The story. I mean, you got to see how the, how the climax happens and the rise and fall and who the characters are. You got to get a feel for the story. Now, when we're, right, when we're reading and studying epistle like first Peter and second Peter later, uh, well, then what's in a letter, what's Peter saying? Here's who you are. Here's how you should think. Here's what you should do. This is how you should live. And if we try to take some big section and say, okay, think this way, live this way, do these things, well, then it becomes too much. Like, wow, well, well, okay, what, what all do you say again? It's, it's almost overwhelming. So naturally, you take smaller sections to study this so that we can apply it. And that kind of leads to the next point, that all of this gets to the aim of wow, why we are feasting on God's word. And the objective is maturity. Okay, Peter uses the term to grow up. And 
What do we want to grow up into? Well, it's really who do we want to grow up into? Jesus. He's our model. And so Peter says, hey, will you taste the kindness of the Lord? You taste the goodness of his word. We want to be like him. Our aim is maturity. That's the aim. Maturity. One of the men who discipled me, one of the most mature men I've ever met in my life, uh, he was in his 80s when he poured into me and I was in my 20s. Uh, just his intentionality reaching into the younger generation. His name was Howard Hendricks. And he said to me, he gave me this formula. And it's a formula I'll never forget. He said, here's the deal, Steve. Time plus God's word plus obedience equals maturity. You want to be a mature follower of Christ, it requires time plus God's word plus obedience. That's how you get maturity. And so you can be a Christian who, hey, I've had a relationship with Jesus for 50, 60, 70, however long, all these years. But if you're not in God's word and you're not being obedient to God's word, you can still be like a spiritual newborn. On the, on the flip side of that, you could maybe be a believer for about five to 10 years, but you've just feasted on God's word. You've consumed it. And then what happens? Incredible growth. There's a maturity to you, right? It's time plus God's word, plus obedience. And Peter, he actually really brings this out because he uses the passive verb to speak of growing up, okay? It's not the active verb. And so what he's highlighting there is that maturity doesn't happen simply because you read the word, okay? It's you got to get into the word, but the word of God also has to get into you so that it comes out of you, all right? It's obedience to the word. It's not just, okay, I read it, now all of a sudden, no, no, I've actually got to do what it says, Okay? I actually have to let it change how I think and how I act, how I live. It's got, it's got to affect my, my living. And so it's time plus God's word plus obedience. And that leads to maturity, spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, physical maturity, uh, mental maturity. It's health. This is how you live healthy. The early church, they desperately needed a diet for how to live healthy in an unhealthy world. You know what? We need that diet today too. How do we live healthy in an unhealthy world? Well, we got to get rid of all the stuff that makes us sick. And we've got to crave the one thing that will cause us to grow. And it's God's word. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, it, it, it does. It, it, it shapes. It corrects. It encourages It builds up. Lord, may we be a people of your word. Thank you so much for your generosity and giving it to us. Um, May we live it well. We need your help to do that. So we ask this by the power of your spirit and the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.